This is the second part of the first recording of the Late Night Dice podcast. I strongly recommend not starting here, but finding episode zero, part one. It shouldn't be far from where you found this one. If not, then, well, good luck. One of the last thing I was going to mention, this could tie in possibly with the water god. Maybe like an offshoot of okay. the same religion, because like we said, they were nomads previously that then went into the desert, possibly tying in. But the last idea for a culture I had was a Polynesian-inspired culture, similar to pirates, but more like Vikings in their tradition. But the caveat is they don't use boats, but some sort of sea animal that they ride in or on or around. What if these are half-orcs or orcs and they ride on great, I was going to say lizards, like great sea alligators? Alligators. <laughs> pretty spooky. Crocolis. I don't know. I'm imagining a half-orc alligator swimming at me right now and it's really terrifying. A half-orc alligator <laughs> or a half-orc <laughs> on an alligator? Uh, <laughs> half orc, half alligator. Ooh, that's what they look like. Or maybe these are a dragonborn. Are dragonborn or alligator? <laughs> Jeez. In this world, are alligators. Yes. <laughs> like instead of being like, I, I know some editions of D and D and some like video games and stuff make orcs look like piggish. Piggish. I, I think yeah. might be a word to describe. Bo- boorish. It. Boorish. Boorish. Maybe, but like in this world, maybe they are reptilian to a degree. Okay, yeah. That could fill the uh, Dragonborn want as well, if we say we don't want dragon. We haven't even touched about that yet. So underneath races, I'm just going to put reptilian orcs? Yeah, sure. There we go. (laughs) As a bullet point. Now, uh, do we want this to be connected to the water god? Because if so... I like that they're reptilian. I like that it, that kind of makes sense to me. Mm, but do you... May, oh, reptilian stuff, like, always makes me think of, like, swamp themes, and that makes me think of the Lich Gorgon. Maybe wow. maybe there's a divide in orc culture. Ooh, there's two different types of orcs. Maybe some lean more toward worshipping the Earth Gorgon creature, and others, like, maybe the more peaceful ones, like, you're more interested in, like, preserving society instead of, like, being death cult stuff. I know that's what the Lich Gorgon has going for it. Right. Maybe they lean more toward the water god. Right. Ooh, I like it. would be a little running out of races if we were just tying races to, like, these elemental cultures. Well, we already have, we already have No, it's just one aspect. Yeah, we already have the elves that don't worship a god. Sure. Yeah, so. like, and the orcs can, like, worship other gods. It's just, like, there's a major difference sure. right. for, like, maybe a large percent of them worships the Gorgon, and a large percent of them worships the water god, and then there's like, other percentages that worship the others, but it's not as big as the other two. Perhaps in ancient history there was an orcish civil war between the two. Yeah, could have been a civil war between them. Between earth and water and preservation and destruction. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That could even tie in with possibly why the Gorgon awoke. Mm, true. Okay. Okay. Well, molten dwarfs, fire dwarfs that live in a snowy in area. glaciers. Yeah, I think that fits pretty yeah. well for dwarves. Oh, uh, because they carved and constructed stuff out of the ice. Are we tying uh, gnomes in with dwarves like most settings do? I completely forgot about gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about halflings? How about gnomes? Are monsters, like in 4th edition. <laughs> 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 like 4th edition. How about gnomes aren't people? They don't <laughs> exist, because I don't like gnomes. Gnomes I'm, I'm are okay just with the Warcraft style. Gnomes of are just short elves, Ryan. Come on. <laughs> gnomes are just short elves. You like elves so much. <laughs> then why not just have gnomes be a sub race of elves? Do it. 
<laughs> Our elves created themselves anyways. <laughs> They're like us, but smaller. <laughs> what if Gnome were the original failed creation of oh, the other elves? They're an abomination. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that would uh, satisfy me. <laughs> so they kicked. Like so them. they kicked them out of the martial elf side because they were just almost the exact opposite of these elves. Short <laughs> gnomes are abomination objects <laughs> of elf experimentation. Yeah. Cool, uh, cool, cool. Okay. Well, how about this? I'm just looking at the baseline five E races. Tieflings. What if tieflings are moon people? Oh, I dig it. Like. I don't know which moon. Yeah, moon beast or like <laughs> moon collector, blood collector. Moon uh, blood. I have something for this. Yeah. One of my other like first things that I wrote down, and it, it ties in. So I'm gonna go back to what I originally said about the what we're now calling the moon beast. <laughs> Long ago, a giant creature appeared in the skies, slowly over many years, devoured the moon, which bled, which we've defined now as being like um, moon blood, being a liquid metal um, that people collect. Mm-hmm. And it serves as part of how you use arcane magic. And then there's earth blood as well. Anyway, this was a dark age. Shadows appeared soon after. Yes. Uh, this was, this was a, a dark age. I wrote that twice. <laughs> very dark. Um, but, Any age. Uh, it was very, very dark age. <laughs> but I have on my, my list here also that ties in with this living shadows and not necessarily evil. Just mm. spooky, Maybe. scary. And those are and those are our tieflings. Tieflings are living shadow that spawned out of the dark ages. Living yes. shadow. That's what I'm trying to get at. Wow. Yes, exactly. Yes. You guys yeah. like that? I like Are it we uh, doing like Isamars as like an opposite of that or <laughs> no, because they're, they're not like a core race. Maybe like um, if that were, maybe the sun melted one day. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's theorized that such a thing might exist because, like, we know that with the moon beast worshippers, they have a duality between like radiant and necrotic. So, like, if tieflings are living shadows who represent like the dark side of ether, then people like maybe some scholars believe that there may be like a, a light side parallel another to another idea i had right? was that uh as i spoke about before what with the earth culture and how gargoyles are seen as sort of the angels of their religion what if there were more asmrs but the gorgon turned them to stone, and those are now gargoyles. So the gargoyles are the ancient side to tiefling, which we're calling. I Ace. like that. I like that. Maybe so there's like no. That was, that was a huge like event that happened. Right. Yeah. ASMRs in their natural state are living light, like tieflings are living shadows, but they have been cast into stone forms, mm-hmm. and maybe they have been effectively dominated by the Gorgon and used like as her own soldiers. Yeah, like they're supposed to be servants of the Moon Beast, or at least like representatives of it, tied to it in some way. But the Gorgon took them away. Yes, and right. Made That's one of the part of the Earth culture that makes it seem like evil because it, like, twists things into a different shape, forcibly. Yeah, I like that it seems evil, but it doesn't directly destroy. It changes. Maybe if we were to, say, classify transmutation magic, maybe she has a strong grasp of how that Mm. works. 
Oh, maybe that, the Gorgon is a good. Etch that reminds me of something I was going to speak of earlier when we were talking about magic and how it slowly kills people. Maybe there's something to be said about in the setting a philosopher's stone type thing that's sought after that theoretically could have people live forever. Mm. Any ideas? It's just a story at this point. Okay, yeah. So it's a. They know that that magic poisons you. And there's always been a fantastical story that if you possess this object, it stops to poison you when you cast spells. Completely. Yeah, that could just be one of the artifacts in this world. Talking oh, about like yeah. game mechanic related concepts. Right. Yeah. Artifacts being one of a kind special super magic items. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> I keep looking at this and I'm not sure if either of you have a point written about it. Dragonborn as a race. Basically we don't have for that yet. I mean, if anyone has anything written down. Okay, so I I will immediately state that I think dragons are overdone everywhere. In all of my worlds and my writings, I have occasionally used things that kind of take place of dragons' traditional roles in a fantasy world, but I've only introduced a real honest-to-God, this is a dragon once. In one of my worlds, there is a single dragon. It's very, very important. Because, like, to do more than that makes it less special. So I'm totally down with Dragonborn. Maybe if we just reimagine them in some way so they're not Dragonborn. Sure. Well, we kind of have the reptilian orc sort of thing. Do we want to just wrap those together and like have orcs? reptilian orcs be the effective dragonborn of the world. So what I'm proposing is we wrap together orcs and dragonborn Here's together. an idea. That allows half orcs Yeah, like here's that. an idea. Since we decided they were split already, maybe half orcs are instead half dragonborn. Those are a player race. Regular orcs aren't. So regular orcs could be dragonborn. And they follow different reptilian features. That makes sense. For their dragonborn. Try again? <laughs> There's a splitting of the orc slash dragonborn. One of them, as a race, worships earth, and one of them worships water. One of them split off and is now half-orcs mechanically. The other one is dragonborn mechanically. Okay, so their religious differences cause them to become different species. Basically, it they split off that long ago. That is the craziest thing. <laughs> is that that crazy? Yeah. I don't know. It, happen- it happened like during the Divine Civil War in Orc history. Like these would be written on stone tablets deep underneath everything. Yeah, this is like deepest like, lore. <laughs> yeah, so that allows for dragonborns to have different features, different subrace colors, and that allows orcs and half-orcs as well. I'll say I, I'm not in love with this idea. I'm not super in love with it either, I'll but write I, it down. I, I do, I mean, if we just want to admit Dragonborn, it just limits races, but, hey, whatever. <laughs> True. We can Let just see if it. I have anything. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Just the idea that Dragonborn's a race and people like it. I mean, if people like playing dragon characters, we could point them to the half-orcs or reptilian. I like the reptilian orc race. Yeah. It's really cool to me. I'm not in love with marriaging that to the Dragonborn concept, but at yeah. the same time, that yeah, means that like, I, I should back that up by suggesting something else for them instead of just saying no. I do have a racial detail that it doesn't, like, establish the Dragonborn. Oh, put so it out. What is it? Maybe, maybe it'll help us get our thoughts moving. It's the very last thing that I have is there is a race that at birth speaks one truth. This goes on to define their lives, though some resist. I got it. Okay. Um, okay, Dragonborn exists. Dragons don't. Okay. There are, at any point in time, a singular family 
of each dragonborn color. They're like basically royalty themselves. Maybe some of the other colors are like down on their luck, but they've existed for as long as we can remember. And like you just said, each dragonborn that is born says one. So like super rare. Yeah. It's like super royalty. Yeah. Basically. And maybe some of them are extremely secretive and live absolutely alone. I do have another thing for that where this was going to be what I called Titans, but we could just change the noun and say Dragonborn are a reclusive, xenophobic race who largely take no interest in others. Yeah. So, like, each flight of Dragonborn society, they could be completely separate or they couldn't, but basically they are kind of like the English royal family. Yeah. I have a, a suggestion for how we can fix them having, like, different colors and, like, varieties without yeah. making them draconic-themed. Sure. I don't think we have to even change any of their mechanics for those. Instead of them coming in, like, blue dragon, red dragon, brass dragon, like, those <laughs> yeah. varieties, those varieties, like, mechanically will still function the same way, but flavorfully, they're not divided by dragon color, but by, like, maybe elemental origin elemental origin I maybe like. they are like maybe they are the children of these gods mm. so there are earthborn waterborn right fireborn yeah. instead of dragonborn and that but we can still keep the mechanics the same right okay this might be one of the more fleshed out races and probably the rarest race and that's why i'm saying like if they're gonna be like basically demigods just you know without divine powers then it can tie into how we've already are talking about them being like very rare and exclusive. I like that. Like, Reminds me a lot are... of uh, what Ganassi Ginsai. I don't know how oh, to pronounce that. Yeah, yeah they're sort of like a. I've always said Genasi, but I have no idea what's correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I learned recently from um, a sage advice that I think was, was I think it was either Chris Perkins or Mike Merle. So somebody just asked, like, what's the correct pronunciation of um, you know that angelic race uh, that we've already said a few times? But um, they responded with a pronunciation guide for Asamar. <laughs> All right, Asamar. <laughs> Uh, uh, so dragonborn as element born. Do we want to come up with a better name for that later? Just call them again. Sure. No. no. <laughs> Too element born reclusive. Rare reclusive <laughs> children of the gods. There you go. Cool. I like that. Yeah. I mean, dwarves the next biggest race. Oh, we kind of said Yeah, dwarves that, I is... Did we? I, I think we wanted dwarves to be in the glaciers with the fire god. I mean, I like that idea. I liked it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Never decide exactly uh, what sort of sea beast that other culture was. The one, like, ocean-bound culture. We don't have to describe it. Okay. Oh, you mean the water god? Uh, the one I mentioned. The Polynesian yeah, culture Yeah, the Polynesian-type culture that probably would make the most sense being an offshoot of the same culture as the water god. Same sort of no-bad idea, but instead just go into the sea. I, yeah, I, feel... I, I have some things like, I okay. could tack on to that. But Nick, if, do you want to go first? No, no, no. You go ahead. Okay. I was, just, I was just saying that it couldn't... We don't have to describe it right Sure. If we want. <laughs> you well, want well, we, could. we could. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I have, I have a few things. I'm loving that my list is getting shorter. Right. There is a culture in which thieves, assassins, etc. are public and policed. It's all very polite and professional. Hmm. hmm. Okay. So, like, are you, like, always responsible for your own goods? If it gets stolen, oh well? Maybe that's what insurance is for? Maybe insurance is just paying another thief to seal it back. <laughs> and, this, and the cycle perpetuates. Uh, I just, I love the mental image of 
hired killers just like publicly advertising their service and like no one bats an eye at that it's just like oh yeah yeah i think it would make more sense if we didn't go with what i just said to have it hired killers sure but maybe not these oh yeah yeah i like the idea that like a culture where death is fleeting so if someone wants to kill you they can hire someone to do that i don't know if i can twist thievery and theft we could twist murder well i maybe it's the idea of um transience again with how uh life is temporary and goods are temporary maybe that can be the tie in there yeah a culture in which people killing each other is accepted feels like it could directly tie into the death cult that serves the gorgon maybe. okay so like death cult all about change and transient stuff so they understand if someone dies, it doesn't need to be hidden. That person must have had a reason to kill that other person. I feel like at that point, it's more of the cult side of things. If you kill someone, you just have to say, like, the gods told me to. Well, what if it's a culture of just strength and life is fleeting? Trans. I mean, it's basically Lord of the Rings... Goblin and orc culture, the strong survive, right? And it's just kind of accepted. We'll put a pin in that and come back to it, I guess. The murder thing's weird to me. That's like, right. We don't have to include no, it. Like, it, it we, we, I, we have yeah. run with every single suggestion that I've <laughs> thrown out thus far, <laughs> yeah. and I have 30 of them, and it's totally okay to say no to something. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is a strength above all sort of orcish Lord of the Rings style orc culture, where you just kill the weak, but... Well, maybe I can back pedal it a little bit. The original thought behind it was I had this mental image of uh, a throne room. We see the king and the queen, and we see the, like, advisors, and we see their guards, and then, like, the king's assassin, like, is just there, part of the court. Everybody knows it. Maybe this could, uh... Like, everyone knows. They're like, like oh yeah, um, Mitchell. Yeah, that's, that's Mitchell. Maybe He's this could tie into, the elf culture, because as I stated previously, their uh, morals and view on life is a bit skewed. They believe in eugenics. Oh, I oh, am. Yeah. 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 I like, I like that. That's like a fit for them. I like that that's enough and that can be touched on more. Yeah. But that does fit with the elves. Assassins are public and accepted. Yep. Okay. All yeah. right. Cool. It's it's kind of like this thing is going to happen anyway, so we might as well be public and police it. Right. So that they're. There is, like, some law to it. So people who, like, do illegal assassinations are in, like, real big trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe halflings are, like, actual fey creatures in this setting. They popped out of the forest. Yeah, what do we want to do with fey? Because fey are always kind of all, always a thing, but they, uh... One of my favorite creature types. Yeah. Well, we have Dragonborn as children of all the elemental gods, titans, elemental Maybe titans. halflings are, like, the default druid types in the setting? They're sort of the, like, nature magic, and they're one of the ones that don't really know where their power comes from, maybe. So, we've come back around to this. We have the basic elements, but then we also just have a life power, a world power, but we don't have a titan set up for it. Let me propose this. Okay. We already have arcane magic coming from the lifeblood of the planets, at least two of them. What if life and nature magic is arcane in this setting, not divine? Hmm. So when a druid pulls from whatever power to cast Entangling Root, it is pulling power from the world's lifeblood, thus making it arcane. Maybe and tying so, 
and so that into the fey like the fey are like naturally part of the lifeblood yes so fey would be creatures born of the the like primordial energy of the earth yeah what do you think i like that idea i zone out (laughs) (laughs) i'm just okay okay uh fey uh and we're throwing halflings into this kind of sure we're born from the primordial lifeblood of the planet that also provides our power Oh, that's good, good, good! Because guess what we can have? <laughs> Duality. The Seely and Unseely Fae, and we can mash that up with the Earth Blood and Moon Blood. Interesting. Right, so go. maybe, like, when the Dark Age <laughs> happened, not only were there Tieflings, there were also, like, tainted Fae. Mm, yeah. And Halflings are literally children of the planet. <laughs> Yeah, so the Fae are primordial creatures of this world, predating, like, everything else, basically. And they were born of the Earth blood. And when the moon beast devoured the moon and the moon bled, the moon blood that fell to the Earth tainted and changed the Fae that it touched. And they became, basically, the bad Fae of the world. Right. Hold on, I think there might have been something I missed. I know the moon dying is connected to the Dark Age, but... Specifically, the moon bleeding is what caused the Dark Age? Well, the moon bleeding caused stuff that happened on the planet. Yeah, it's not one thing that caused everything else. It's a number of things that caused things. Like, a giant creature appeared in the sky. Okay, a Dark Age starts, because it's literally dark. It devours the moon. Alright, that's scary. It's just a really frightening time to Mm. live in. The moon is bleeding as it's being slowly devoured. That's freaky. <laughs> and it's causing weird things to happen on our world now as the moon blood falls to our world. Messing up all our fate. Also, <laughs> living shadows are appearing amongst they have, like, us now. Horns and dark red skin. Not sure what specifically caused that, but I bet it's tied into that moon beast appearing. Probably a bad <laughs> thing. Yeah, like I'm really like I'm not convinced that the moon beast is a good thing. Seems to be maybe like riding the line. It isn't directly killing us or anything like that. But it's making weird and scary Maybe, things happen uh, on our world now. People feel, like, iffy about yeah, the moon beast I don't know how, best. like, cosmic we want to get into this, but since we already touched on it with, like, tieflings, maybe, like, when the tieflings came down, they weren't the only type of, like, demons and devils. Maybe they're just one of many. Maybe shadows took different forms. That could lead into some interesting creatures. So tieflings are supposed to be, you know, fiend-ish. Fiend adjacent. Fiend adjacent, yes. Um, so we could we can make that a real easy translation. We just declare that the living shadows that we're calling tieflings, they are basically the nice ones. <laughs> At least <laughs> there are other living shadows that are definitely oh, not yeah. as nice as the tiefling <laughs> shadows. And those are the ones who are like right. proper fiends that... Tieflings at least will agree to work with you on things. Yes. They can be reasoned with. <laughs> fiends are bigger, nastier, <laughs> unreasonable living shadows. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really easy, actually. Hey, um, can I just throw something out from the list? Sure. sure. Maybe give us like a new tangent to work off of? Yeah. We've been doing a lot of like tying things into one another yep and i feel like maybe it's just something totally fresh might help okay um a geography thing forests have been known to migrate generally to follow rainfall huh okay so like they kind of do in real life but a lot faster 
Yes, like you could watch them go. <laughs> are the little tr- okay. literal trees moving, or are they like browning up and uh, disappearing on the sides? Uh, I was thinking of like they uproot themselves and walk. Okay, so to another location. So maybe not all trees, but a very common creature is an animate tree. There's just like forest of trees. Oh. Yeah. But they're not like uh but like they're proper not, tree. They're not intelligent and yeah, yeah proper like you, tree. Can, you can't have a conversation. <laughs> they are still plants. Just yeah. it's a plant creature that is clearly mobile, <laughs> but you can't talk to it. It doesn't seem to have thoughts, or at least any of them that you can decipher. So I can imagine if you're sitting in your home in the countryside farming, you could watch the migration of the trees go past every year. Interesting. (laughs) And they probably, like, move... They don't move at, like, a lightning pace, (laughs) but they're not, like, incredibly slow. I figure, like, they probably just move fast enough to keep up with rain pattern. (laughs) The migrating buffalo. (laughs) Like, wherever the wet season happens to be in this world, that's where there's going to be a lot of these things. All right. I can dig it. That's an interesting creature, definitely. So there could even be, like, it opens up possibilities for things like other nomads might set up canopy tents in the bowels of these things, and they just ride these babies for miles. (laughs) So it can set up a, uh, a type of people that live in the trees. Yeah. There could, maybe there's one particularly large cluster of these tree-like creatures, and they always move around as a group, so the benefit is that there is basically like a shanty town that just lives in the bowels of this forest and moves around everywhere. You're all about these people, like, moving, by the way. There's a lot of things that require these people to be moving. Yeah, we have a lot of, of movement in this world, yeah. and that's, that's cool with me. I'm fine the, with that. The least movement-styled people are the water people. That's true. They have a dedicated place that they have built up around. Right. I, I suppose the fire people... Yeah, I don't too. know about them. It's it's moving very well, slowly. <laughs> it is a glacier. Oh, well, <laughs> it well, is well, a Remember, okay, uh, Ryan also wanted those to be moving. Remember? That's why... <laughs> oh, yeah, that they... Well, I said swing. Sure, moving, swing, same thing. (laughs) I I do like how if you, like, zoom out from the surface of this world and set the pacing of, like, I don't know, one year passes every second, you would see, like, this wildly shifting mass on the surface of this world. Like, people and land masses and stuff are just constantly shifting. That's really cool. I I like that. I like that things are not static. Right, yeah. Moving cities is kind of just common. Maybe the world is plagued by stronger-than-average storms. And that's what causes people to move. Maybe extremely slow moving megastorms. I had, um, in my Isodia setting, storms were a big thing. Oh, yeah. That was largely inspired by the Stormlight Archives. Right. And so maybe, like, the cultures that have set up a safe enough place to weather the storms don't need to move as much. I just like that it's an almost everything here is very nomadic, except for the elves. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe they have discovered a way or picked a location that doesn't need for them to move. Yeah. Okay, for now I'm just going to put culturally they have developed reasons to not have to move around as much as the other races. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do we, we want to uh, work on a geography for a bit? 
for yeah, that. Yeah, I have a few Because uh, while I was talking, like, big picture, how the different cultures slash races, like, are near each other. Okay, well, we have a glacier, so we can I start was thinking, with that. Well, I think the largest part of the world is the desert. Because right. we... It's oh, yeah, large enough. Deserts. It's large enough that right. we need to go through it to make any sort of good time. Let, let's not forget, we also have the swallowed land. <laughs> yes, we have our very first thing. Yeah, yes. I'm not sure where that is exactly. Maybe somewhere in the desert. I think we also have a petrified Whoa. swamp forest. The swallowed land is basically the size of the kingdom itself. I think that's yeah. everything thus far. So we have like, what is that? Four or five petrified swamp forest, desert, glacier, swallowed land. I think that's it. So we have four major geographical elements thus far. I would count five because there's also the sort of offshoot of the sea culture. And I would imagine that being like on islands. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love, like, Arnold Yeah, that Hello sort of thing. So my states. mental image of this, if you envision, like, United States, I guess, Glacier would be Canada, uh, icy culture. Sure. The entire middle section would be desert. Elves, maybe on the uh, the west coast. Maybe the archipelago on the east. And maybe the petrified forest on the south. Would you guys... And would the swallow lands be, like, across the I was thinking of them just be like a large part of the desert maybe I don't know what do you guys think I just remember the first thing we came up with the solid land is massive yeah like the size of Texas or something just enormous it could be its own climate its own biome it's big Mm. enough I wasn't picturing desert at all I was just picturing like plains like just Mm -hmm. (laughs) big enough normal land temperate land that just collapsed one day big enough that maybe the different edges of where it collapsed are different biomes Ooh, that can be fun. Like, mountains flank it on one side. Yeah, the Swallowland can be, like, part of a border between two other realms. Yeah, well, we can sketch this up whenever. Okay, is this all one big continent? Or at least that's where we're starting. Yeah, I think at least to start, that would make the most sense. I wasn't thinking of that before, but the way it's worked out, I think, kind of lends itself to it. I don't know. What do you think? Let's start with one continent. I agree. But let's also, like, allow for it to be pretty wildly shaped to allow for jetties of sea to come, like, in to sort of, like, create peninsulas out of the land in different places. This would allow us more ability to play around with this archipelago culture, this seafaring culture. Yeah. They're not just, like, relegated to, oh, they're out there in the ocean, we don't have to worry about them. Mm -hmm. But if they have access to get to inner parts of the mainland by going through these specific waterways. That's basically like, there is massive rivers separating sections of this continent. Yeah, that could be cool. Okay. Uh, maybe uh, one of the ancient structures of the world are enormous bridges that link certain sections, possibly hundreds of feet wide, that travelers travel across between the different continents. I like the idea that there used to be ancient people that were really good at creating lasting structures, and funnily enough, they don't last anymore. Okay. I think some of my things at this point, like, we've hit some pretty awesome detail for this world thus far, and I think it's actually starting to knock away some of my things that don't fit in this world mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And that's totally fine. I still have a couple that, like, I'm really excited about and want to work in. Shoot for it. Go. The first thing that I wrote down, and this is actually something that I had written down months and months and months ago before we even discussed doing this as a group thing, 
I just from my um, notepad of random D&D ideas that I will one day get to and then never actually get to. I had an idea for a particular city. We've talked about cultures, races. We've talked about land masses. I don't think we've really like talked about a particular living space for these cultures and races yet. Yeah, the most detail we have is dwarves. The and this is the only thing like this that I have like as a city of some kind. So Panopticon, the prison city. Have you ever heard of a Panopticon? I have not. So from Wikipedia, the Panopticon is a type of institutional building and a system of control designed by English philosopher and social theorist Jeremy Bentham in the late 18th century. The scheme of the design is to allow all pan inmates of an institution to be observed, Opticon, by a single watchman without the inmates being able to tell whether or not they are being Wait, is watched. this the, like, prison that, like, rotates? It's more like the prison from Guardians of the Galaxy. So, like, a city that is tall or wide, like, does it go deep into the ground with all these I, w- I was thinking cubicles? deep, and I was thinking deep, and that's because of, uh, we have circling all the way back to our very first thing the swallowed land collapsed inward right and then you immediately hit me with underground temples of chained beings chains prison panopticon the prison city maybe at this point like the swallowed land maybe there's this this huge city with all these chained up beings these golems or whatever you wanted them to be and it's known as the prison city because of this i was thinking that it would be like deep cosmic and lots of people living there but there's like in the center of it there is the ruling faculty the Mm. whatever the power is that presides over this city is in essentially like a tower or structure in the center of it and it is from there that they observe all the goings-on of their prison city so it's the concept of a panopticon but expanded out from prison to be an entire like living space for a, a society right but this is an ancient doomed city right or yeah are you thinking it's currently still going oh i was i was thinking current possibly it could even be that it was ancient but that these people have moved in oh okay what if it's so deep that only the upper levels are still used as a city. Like, something below it, like the uh, lower levels, have had a disaster. So, like, the deeper you go, the more dangerous it becomes. Right. Okay, that's cool. And it's so old that you don't know how deep it actually goes. I feel like we could have an entire story going on with this city. I feel like the less detailed it gets, the better. I like that we have a structure for it, and that there's still mystery. Yeah, it could be a cool adventure just playing, like, a team of like scholarly researchers, dungeon delvers, treasure seekers, glory hounds, all that, who band together to uncover the truth of the history of the prison city. Yeah, like we like don't have go, to they talk they about deeper the origin. And deeper and deeper because it gets more dangerous. Like they go deeper and deeper because they know that other people haven't in search of the truth. Like maybe they'll find stuff buried down there somewhere that can help lead them to what this place is really okay, all so... about. So then you said you wanted it to be currently populated, so by what? Yeah, uh, the people of the Swallows. Which are... Whatever that kingdom was before it got swallowed up, like the survivors of that kingdom that got swallowed into the Swallowed Land, they managed to... It was hell, but they pushed through it somehow, the survivors, and they have clawed back a foothold on their civilization, and it's become this new thing. It's it's different than it used to be. 
What if these are like okay, kobolds? I was actually about to suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> these kobolds are our could definitely be like among these people. I don't want. I don't want to limit. This Maybe to it's a like all race. sorts of. Yeah, like what but if these I feel are like, like this would be a natural fit for kobolds? Yeah, all sorts of underground things: kobolds, goblins, hobgoblins, uh, gnomes, gnomes. Maybe. gnomes. Maybe this yeah. is where they found refuge. <laughs> Dwarves. Yeah. So this is like who knows what it was in the past, but that's what's there now. A mishmash of in a classical setting monstrous race. Yeah, lots of underground races live here. I don't want to say comfortably. No, they, they, they live. live. They. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna say I have three more things. Okay. Play it myself out of like the dozen or so that I have. I'm okay. just gonna say three more. Three, let's uh, three more things, and we'll probably yep. be wrapping it up here. Yeah. So okay. And we'll wrap it up and we'll we'll come back and refine this and turn it into something workable. All right. So how do you guys feel about talking about rulership? Like the kinds of people who are it. in charge. I hate it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll turn it out <laughs> I'm Well, we already talked about um, <laughs> we already talked about the water oasis city being a theocracy based on the right. uh, good point. The water god. You're right. So we have discussed at least one ruling body. Um, you know? So I have, I, I suppose, a, a counterpart to that. This would definitely have to be for a different ruling party. I like kings yeah. in my fantasy stories. So I, I like kings. I like monarchy. But I don't like, I guess, like vanilla monarchy in my fantasy stories. Like, I, for instance, Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. Really cool. Like, he becomes the king, but not just because he was born into it, but because he earned it, you know? Right. So I had an idea for a character who was like a mercenary scholar who turned into a king over the course of his life. So, like, imagine if you had Aragorn, but he was also, like, wicked smart. Okay. I feel like this might fit really well into our uh, glacier society. Sure. They live a hard life, kind of like uh, the Iron Islands. Okay. Ironborn. So, like, they live a hard life. They respect knowledge and living and fighting and just being out there as themselves with their own people. But the greatest among them are those who have traveled out, learned more, become stronger. Yeah, maybe, like, uh, the, the mercenary aspect is, like, the dwarves are known for, like, being really good fighters, and maybe in dwarven society it's, like, you're well-respected, not specifically if you're a great fighter, but if you're paid the best for being a great fighter. Okay. So the richest are also the best fighters, because you get paid more, the better you fight. Wow. It's, it's like... It's like a culture of gladiators. So the stronger you are, the more you'll get paid, and they want to be led by the strong. So the strong have all this money, and they're also in charge. This is kind of like like a plutocracy. Yeah. Rule by money. It's just that the money is not so much like buying and selling, but more of like they. Yeah, it's more of like a representative. Like they might not even. They might even like have all this money from a different culture that they don't even use for trade. They just collect it. Oh, oh! They have their cool. Oh, they have their own like fighting currency. Neat. Yeah, like it holds no actual value in their economy, and that's what keeps things like fair. I imagine yeah. 
Like, it's strictly used to support the fighters. And their monarch, the best fighter of them all, has the most endurance. Because yeah, I imagine dwarves does. being the ones that would, like, go down to the Oasis for the fighting tournament that I mentioned earlier. Oh, like, yeah. that might be where they earn all their riches. I like that's that we fleshed cool. out dwarves. Yeah, dwarves are really interesting now. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm really happy with how they turned out. Oh, I kind, maybe. I kind of like these more than normal dwarves, actually. Maybe, maybe uh, since they are underneath this glacier and kind of in between the planet, the Earth itself, and this glacier, maybe they have their own special Earth blood that's been, like, frozen in this glacier. Mm. And so, like, they have a vast wealth of knowledge through wizards and sorcerers. Because you said both fighting and scholarly ability. I like the idea of they have some kind of special possession of Earthblood. I wasn't thinking of Earthblood having different kinds. I was just thinking of, like, Earthblood and Moonblood being the different kinds. Oh, well, but I mean, it maybe could be they that. have, like, a huge vein of it. Oh, yeah. They have the largest known depository of. So maybe, so maybe the most common wizard that uses its arcane focus as a vial of Earthblood are dwarves. Yeah, I like the idea that in this world, the race most likely to be a wizard is a dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, time kind of ties in with, uh, like, fire magic. You know, the most iconic spell for a wizard is Fireball, I guess. <laughs> I like these dwarves a lot. Yeah, these dwarves are really cool. Moments in history that are very important. Okay. Big climactic changes in the scope of how this world came to be the way that it is. I'm just going to read this sentence that I have written. One of the biggest moments in this world was when the five sages stood against a terrible foe on the brink of ruination and won our freedom. Awesome. What works that could be for a specific culture that we've already defined, right. or that could be for like all cultures, like maybe this was a global thing. But the idea that there was a huge battle of some kind, some great adversary to some culture or cultures, and there was this group called the Five Sages who stood together and won the day. Oh, okay. All right. I kind of have something, but I don't know if it's on the verge of, like, maybe it's a mystery to be uncovered or not. So we could literally write that down, and I could run something that is about discovering. You wanna, do you want to have that as a put a cool. pin in it? Yeah, let's put a pin in that. I like it, okay. though. For those of you still listening to us, thank you. <laughs> we discussed earlier having a sort of rule between us where we could just put a pin in something, and then we just have to stop detailing it. Because one of us has decided that they want that to be an aspect of an adventure story. So yeah, basically, we're sitting here creating this together. But if something seems fleshed out enough and they instantly have an idea, we'll uh, just discover it on our own with the game. Yep. So I created this idea of when the five sages stood against a terrible foe on the brink of ruination and won our freedom. But uh, even though that was my idea, Nick is the one who like immediately came interested in that and put a pin in it for him to use later, and I will just surrender that to him. I have no idea what it'll mean, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it. Okay, and cool. The last thing that I want to come to is I love names. Oh no, I is this just names. like a list of 50 names? <laughs> no, I stopped Okay, myself. only like 30. <laughs> well, no, okay. fewer than that. More like six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. Okay. So I have the name of a person who I have put practically zero thought into. It's just this name came to me, so I wrote it down. Okay. So it's like a name and then like a title that goes with that name. All right. So this is Gred, G-R-E-D, Gred, The Several. Ooh. And I don't know what that means. Does this individual have multiple bodies they inhabit? Reminds me of a... <laughs> no! Oh! I uh, don't know. I don't uh, know. Um, okay. Uh, Dragonborn. They're elemental-born children of the gods. Gred was an ancient dragonborn that embodied all the elements. Whoa! So like a super dragonborn. Right. Whoa! I like that. Maybe he was like a multi-headed dragonborn like Tiamat. <laughs> yeah! So this is like a legendary figure, like in the folklore and stories of the Dragonborn people. Yeah, like maybe it was a great warrior or a great maid. Yeah. And like, chances are the stories about this individual aren't like perfectly accurate. Mm -hmm. So like discovering the truth could be a story in and of itself. We have a lot of, of things. It's the like idea. That. <laughs> but uh, but that that's which fun. Is, which this is, good. is a world of mystery. It's great. I like mystery. Okay. Hey, so, hey, mystery makes the best stories, and that's what we're developing the world for. That is exactly what we're doing, yes. So that, that's Gred the Several. And the rest of this are, uh, the other names that I have are just like a quick list that were just like fun mouth sounds that oh. I thought we could like put on, <laughs> that we could put on cities or people or possibly even... Titanic structures that give people their power. The Titanic structures give people their power or even um, the name of this world. Perhaps. I like naming my worlds. My three biggest worlds are Armea, Isodia, and Vona, but I do other things too. And so the things that I have written down here, I'm just going to say them and spell them one at a time. Year, Y-I-R. Yarja, Y-A-R-J-A. Euraja, Y-U-R-A-J-A. Say these are similar. Yeah. Exul, E-K-S-U-L-L. -L. And lastly, a terrace. A-T-E-R-R-I-S. I love that as the name of the world. A terrace? Yeah. Okay. Alex, do you accept? It's kind of a big decision. <laughs> oh. <so. laughs> I, it just sounds like a world to me. I don't know. It's just... Hmm. Oh, that... You, that one... I that like one or a terrace as the name of the world, but I don't know. I feel like that might be too similar to something else, but I can't put my finger on what... It does have terror in it. Like I mean, terror. that is just another, I don't know, word. Yeah. For Earth, yes, Terra. <laughs> I can tell you that there is a, a civilization in Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn series that is called Terrace. Not a Terrace, just right. Terrace. They're the, the Terrace people. They hail from the land of Terrace. It's not the name of like the world. Yeah, I mean, a terrace is the name of like a terrace is like significantly bland while also like encompassing the idea of the world that I think it can fit pretty well. People of a terrace could be a Terrans or Ateresians. Hmm. I keep saying year and Yurja next to each other. I keep wanting to say Yurmjar. And for that matter, different cultures know the world by different names in a lot of mythologies and in sure. fantasy writings. So the name that like we choose to call this world by might just be like what one particular most culture calls one. it by, or the most popularly used. Yeah. yeah. So if we like, if Nick, if you like a terrace as the name of this world, then 
maybe that could just be like if if Alex isn't a huge fan of it, then you can each just pick like a different culture and have that culture refer to the world by that name. I mean, I'm okay with it being the most common, at least. My my two favorite of those two are Ateras and Exel. Exel sounds like a pretty good... I like Exel as, like, the elf nation city area. It does sound a little more modern than the others, so that fits. Okay, cool. I will edit that in (laughs) to the elf information on the second page here. Exel, the industrious city, pretty advanced, skewed morals, bred other sub-races through eugenics to serve them. Assassins are public and accepted. Elves live here. <laughs> These <laughs> are elf things. This, this is an Hash- elf place. Hashtag yourself. It's an elf thing. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any other ideas for what to do with the other names? And we can throw them out. I mean, the first three seem very Norse-inspired. Mm-hmm. Out of those um, three, I like Raja the most. So, following my train of thought, they sound Norse-inspired, and the whys lead me to think of, like, Dwarven stuff, so maybe those are Dwarven. Yeah, I sort of have things. the same train of thought. That's just sure. If you want to use them for that, that's fine. I'll uh, a line of uh, Dwarven enough. queens, maybe. Oh, okay. So you give up your name in Dwarven culture when you become their monarch, and take one and expand upon the previous ruler's name. Oh, that's cool. So instead oh, of like, the, so like, the second, like maybe, maybe the, the, third. the most ancient one is you. Yes, so instead of, like, just, like, Elizabeth the first, the second, you add on to it. Yeah, and, like, it, it's not like you literally just add letters around it. As you can see, like, year became Yarja, so the I in year became an A, and then they added a J-A. So, like, it's The next it's person still is just uncreative and Yarja, Yarja. <laughs> but, like, yeah, maybe... that's cool. Maybe the only time that line is if something kills the monarch... That wasn't a something that takes it over. So, like, Yarja, before she was Yarja, challenged and defeated Yir. And the same happened with Yuraja. But Yuraja died in a tragedy. And so the Ooh. next greatest fighter started a new naming line. So the longer your name, the greater a fighter you were in this line. That's cool. So possibly the longer your name, the stronger you are just directly as a monarch. Okay, so you give up your name when you become the monarch. You adopt the previous monarch's, like, inherited name. Yes. And your name lengthens based on how proficient you are? Yeah, it it lengthens if you defeat them. That name keeps growing the more times that line has been defeated in direct combat. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. The right, line, because they're like yeah. a warrior culture, that makes right. sense. The line does end if, again, like Yuraja died in a tragedy or an accident or something that could not become monarch. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they went out on a hunt and a great beast slew her. Then, so that line ended, yeah. That line ended and the next in charge of, like maybe they would have a competition, a gladiatorial competition to find the new monarch. Nice. Yeah, this is cool. So, like, even though those names don't really strictly matter to the present day now, because that line has ended, what we still got out of that, the naming convention of the Dwarven Monarch. Yes. So that's awesome. Like, that's a detail that (laughs) I was not expecting to come out of that. That's amazing. (laughs) I like that a lot. So, 
all for a terrace being our working title sure. for the world. I'm for That's it. what I have yeah. left. Yep. <laughs> Everything else yep. is counted. At for least the world. most common. <laughs> all right. All right. And then, uh, <laughs> I like that that's the last thing that we yep. did tonight. So those of you joining us, thank you for tuning in to Session Zero, the world design for what we are now going to be calling the world of a terrace. Yep. On all right. late night dice. Here when we feel like yeah, it. Thanks for joining us on Usually at night. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <clears throat> Join us next time when we will uh, perhaps flesh out a little bit more of this. Yeah, we'll probably do better next time. We, this was our uh, learning session to figure out like what the hell are we even doing, and we'll look back and check out our sound, like our audio balance, and talk about like what we can do better next time, what we did well this time. I'm of course Ryan. Uh, go by Mars of the Manor. You can find me on Twitch, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Blake Hall. I'm Nick. Marshmallow Ninja, you can find me about the same places, just look on the screen. It's right there. There's a graphic, although if you're <laughs> listening to this as a podcast type thing, then hey, that means we did that, which is something we wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> Success! Yeah. So, uh, I am Alex yeah. Bukobol Durham. You can find me at Alex underscore Durham 120 at Twitter, or occasionally I stream, like I am right now. Push.tv, Blue Cobalt 120, and we're signing off.